This is Cole. And this is Ron. We are the creative team. Asking the tough questions like, Hey Cole. Yeah, Ron? What if Hulkamania never ran wild? Hey, Ron. Yes, Cole? What if Rick wasn't ravishing? That's rude. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Cole, I got an idea. I can see that. Hey, Ron, I got an idea. I love it. My sister, Candace Murray. Look, up in the sky, it's the creative team. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. To another exciting episode of... The Creative Team! I am your host, Cole Dawson, and with me as always, my hashtag team partner, Ron Kilborn. Ronald, how the hell are you today? I'm doing fantastic, Colsif. It's been a wonderful week. It's been a busy week, as usual, but we're here recording once again, overcoming our adultingness. And uh, I don't know. It's been a quiet week uh, in the world of wrestling. I, what say you? Have, have Have you heard anything interesting? Oh uh, well, I mean the maybe the biggest news to hit wrestling in the last I don't know decade, maybe longer, um, has happened. Baby wrestling will be joining us in February. Candice LeRae, my sister Candice LeRae, and her husband Johnny Gargano. Uh, have officially announced to the world that they are expecting child. And so uh, I can't think of anything possibly more important in the world of professional wrestling than that. So, you know, there's that. Yeah, that's uh, that's exactly what I was talking about. And I was, uh, I'm glad that we got straight to the edge of the point uh, on that one. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited. Little baby wrestling is going to be entering the world, and I couldn't be more thrilled. But yeah, all kidding us, all kidding aside, and you know we typically like to stay away from the current stuff uh, on the world of wrestling, and this is strictly a nostalgia podcast. But I'd be remiss if we didn't at least mention the pivotal moment that was the return of CM Punk on All Elite Wrestling, and this is something that, as wrestling fans, even if you're not a Punk fan, you are lying to yourself if you didn't admit that something big happened. And uh, I just got to say, like, it, it take, it's been a while since, like, something grabbed a hold of me like that. Like, that's, you know, the scene of return was what it was, but this was le- legit the culmination of fans waiting seven years for something to happen. And you can tell on the looks on everyone's face, that one clip of the guy crying, is just it, it's why I love wrestling. It's why I never really turned my back on it because you live, you know, even though you kind of tread through a pile of crap most of the time, you live uh, and watch wrestling just for these moments to occur. And I'm glad I got to experience that. Yeah, it was absolutely uh, fantastic. Um, you mentioned not being or even not being a wrestling fan. So a uh, good friend of the family slash, you know, married into the family. Our buddy Coder, Mr. Potts, uh, texted me last night going, look, I've never seen. C- the only experience I had with CM Punk was he did a local uh, MMA show that Coder was do was working the scene. And Punk was kind of a bitch. And then he got his ass kicked and embarrassed. And it was awful. And so that was his only experience with uh, CM Punk. He uh, was an Attitude Era mark, uh, like most people. And then once The Rock and Austin kind of dwindled out of the business, so did his interests. And uh, 
<clears throat> so he missed all of this, and then when he married into the family uh, and found out about Candace and Johnny, it, it you know they started watching NXT again, and then it it piqued his interest enough where he watched AEW, and he had to he texted me last night, and he's asking me, bro, I gotta ask you because you're a lot you know you're you're a wrestling analyst so to speak, and uh, why did I get misty eyed? Over a guy I don't care about, I've never watched, <laughs> and because and I told it was, this was a real moment. Like uh, Austin was real, mm-hmm. you know the Daniel Bryan yes movement was real. It, back in the in the days, like Andre the Giant was real, Jake the Snake Roberts was real. It's just we've gotten to the point where wrestlers aren't real anymore. Like you could tell everyone's just playing wrestler for the most part. So that's why the guys like like Valter and uh, Tomohiro Ishii and, and Shinsuke Nakamura. And, and there's obviously more guys. I think Adam Cole's pretty close to that level. But Punk is real. He's legit. You believe in him. You don't think that he's, you know, playing a character. That's him. It comes, aclo- it comes across as genuine. And that's why he gets the fans behind him. And uh, it was such a cool moment. I'm really not the biggest CM Punk fan. I got to be honest, uh, I think his in-ring abilities are quite exaggerated, much in the vein of a Ric Flair. But uh, <laughs> he he invokes emotion with his promos and his character and his persona. And, and it, because it doesn't feel like he's playing a character, he feels like the genuine, real, real person is coming through the screen. And it's so easy to gravitate towards that. And I'm just incredibly excited because I think this was the game changer that AEW has been waiting for. And I think especially when if when they add Brian Danielson, the American Dragon here in the next couple weeks, months, whenever that happens, my God, they might be in a ratings war on Friday nights. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I completely agree. And uh, I, I'm a, I'm a big CM Punk fan and I, I quite... I quite argue on the side of, you know, in-ring ability. And this is something that was frowned upon, in my opinion, when I expressed this opinion amongst the boys when I was active last time. The in-ring product, you know, to the masses, is not the most important thing. It is to the the boys. It is to to the smart fans. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's not about... Like the in-ring stuff can 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 come to you over time, but as long as you're making connections to get people to watch you in the ring, that is the most important part in this industry, I think. And I used to drive that home a lot, and I used to get eye rolls at me, but that's just the way the business is. Bell to bell, all the workhorses just focus on that, and they don't try to connect with the audience. They just, you know, that that's just that's just the way the business works now. And so when you see someone like that, that just commands that type of emotion, it's a breath of fresh air. And I hope that he kind of brings that knowledge to that roster. Because once once we get enough guys that are as real as Punk is, uh, it, it could be unstoppable. I'm, I'm really excited. I think the last time WWE was like appointment television for me was when he cut that initial promo. And then had that thing with Triple H, John Lord, Ninus, and Vince McMahon, and John Cena that whole summer. 
that was the last time it was appointment television. Well, I got to take that back. The Yes Movement storyline was also appointment, yeah. appointment yeah, television after that. Yeah, I was just going to say the same thing. That's the last time for me that I needed to watch every week because... It was just a brilliant storyline, and it was real. Yeah, it was actually happening. behind it. Yeah. Yeah, It was a genuine emotion the fans were driving, too. And so it was so great. But yes, continue. Yes, but but that's just what I was going to say. Like, you know, this is a huge moment. Uh, I don't think we get a lot of huge moments anymore. The possibilities are endless. Uh, Rampage and Dynamite are going to be appointment television going forward because Punk is here. Um just his passion in his promo. Yeah, he even said at the top of his promo that this is going to be winged. It's all going to just be off the cuff and he is the master of off the cuff interviews and I was completely invested. I can't wait for what's to come, but you know, we've we've yammered enough about the current stuff. We're going to talk about our boy Taz and he is the epitome of a career cut short. Angles cut short and Let's just be honest. The running inside joke is that he's short. So let's keep the theme going. And I I think I might go first this time because I got to be honest. Oh. You have been pitching and uh, uh, very much um, hinting at the fact that you really did your due diligence and wrote something special. Uh, and I'm not going to jump in now because it is your job to recap up me and the audience. <laughs> Uh, to what really happened with our boy Taz in the world of WWF slash E, and uh, it's a doozy. And if you haven't remembered, uh, friends at home, uh, strap in for this wonderful debauchery of an angle or clusterfuck storyline, if you will. Cole, can you please remind us, in so many words, what the machine did for our boy Taz in the year 2000? So, Taz! In WWE is the subject today, and here's what really happened, and then we will tell you guys how we're going to fix it. 2000 Royal Rumble. Taz makes his debut at the Madison Square Garden. Chokes out Kurt Angle. An undefeated Kurt Angle at the time. Leaves him laying. Um, Shortly after uh, Taz makes his debut, um, Mike Awesome joins WCW, and uh, ECW had a you know thing worked out in their contract where WCW guys you know couldn't remain and work with ECW. So Mike Awesome was the champion at the time, so it got worked out somehow that Taz was allowed to go down and beat Mike Awesome for the ECW championship, only to I mean, and Taz only had this belt for about a week. Um, but WWE promptly brought him with the title to Raw so that Triple H could beat the ECW champion uh, after he'd already just choked out Kurt Angle just immediately right after this great storyline, made sure they buried uh, Taz and the ECW title. But anyway, um, then at WrestleMania, Taz was the only good part of that hardcore scramble match at WrestleMania 2000. Oh, God. I'm still mad at you for making me rewatch that shitty fucking pay-per-view. But anyway, um, but he did not win the title that night, but he was fantastic. So after Mania, Taz is kind of in the uh, intercontinental title picture, but he never wins the title. He never gets over the hump. Uh, after that, he had a little time off for an arm injury, only to re- only to return for a huge 
like groundbreaking, ridiculous feud with a commentator. <laughs> Taz and Jerry Lawler had a three-month feud um, with two matches, uh, two pay-per-view matches, SummerSlam, and the second match was at Unforgiven. Uh, the only way Taz could beat Jerry Lawler, the commentator, is with help from Raven. And then that started a tag team of Raven and Taz. So we're way off the rails here. Um, I do believe that Taz at some point won a tag team title, but it was a little later with not Raven. Um, yeah, with Spike Dudley. Yeah, Taz won a tag team title with Spike Dudley, but in February 2001, he kind of started doing commentary and just... Uh, the only real storyline Taz ever had after the initial thing with Kurt Angle was he was Austin's bitch boy in the Alliance, uh, where he was just like, yes, yes, Mr. Austin, yes, of course, Stone Cold, yeah, we'll do whatever you want. And that was short-lived, and shortly after that, he retired from all the injuries piling up. His, his in-ring run was only about two and a half years, um, but it just... All they did was make Taz another guy and uh, just lost him in the mid-card shuffle with random tag team partners doing the same thing that guys like Claudio Castagnoli are doing today or Bobby Roode or uh, Bobby Roode's partner, Dolph Ziggler. I mean, <laughs> they get these guys, they're tremendously talented, and they just pull the rug out from under them and beat them and beat them and beat them. And then maybe someday after they've beaten them sufficiently, they try to rise them up out of the ashes and uh, make them give them a little push like Cesaro got this year. But uh, Ron, we've talked about it extensively on the show how much we love Taz, how great he was. Talk about someone that was real as fuck, right? Like Taz was as real as it gets. Nobody cared that he was 5'7. They believed he was a badass. He fucking, you know, uh, suplexed Bam Bam Bigelow through a ring. Like this dude. Is a legitimate badass, and they brought him in. It is it you know right at the beginning they brought him in right. It was promising, it looked great, but that was very short lived. And then it was two years of just nothing. So, Ronald, I give the floor to you. How do you save this nonsense, and what would you do with Tag? Well, I mean, it's it's great because like. I mean, look at the wrestlers that you and I praise today. We we praise an Ishii, we praise a Walter, we praise all these guys that have realism to them, Samoa Joes of the world. Taz was all those guys back in the early 2000s. Like, you know, he, he was the human suplex machine. Like, he was 5'7", but the dude was like a brick shithouse for his size. You know, he was thick. You know, that when he was back in the old days with the singlet before he rocked the jumpsuit and whatever... You know, the dude just had that dangerous feeling in the air whenever he was in the ring, like how Brock Lesnar is today. Like, oh, some someone's going to get hurt. And uh, maybe that was to his detriment, because we've heard the stories of the, the, the match with Angle at Madison Square Garden, where uh, some of the suplexes were a little too high, a little too close for comfort. But, you know, let's just get into it. I think how he came in was masterful. Don't change a thing. But I would say the next night on Raw, we have Kurt Angle come out and completely still harp on the fact that he was choked out, so he remains undefeated. It was not a fair win, blah, 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 blah. 
and we keep that feud with Angle going. You know, ha have him beat Awesome for the title, but let's put that in the storyline between him and Kurt Angle. And just be like, you know, ha ha do an angle where Kurt uh, tries to ban the Taz mission from the match. You know, you, you can't win with the Taz mission because it's illegal. And then just, you know, have them go out there and go 15, 20 minutes and then just have uh, just have Taz win with a move. You know, that way you'll put him over as a badass that can go toe-to-toe -to -toe with an Olympic wrestler, which puts him on the map as a, as a wrestler himself, and you don't confine him to just his one move of choking people out. So right there he's made. And then, you know, do the angle with the title, you know, keep keep the ECW title on him, make it the new FTW title. They're never going to call that there in Vince's world. But <laughs> yes, but, you know, although in the attitude area, it was a possibility. It could and have been a possibility. Like the, the very end. So absolutely. Yeah. Mae Young's tits were exposed the same night Taz debuted. So um, <laughs> that's a real thing, ladies and gentlemen. Rewatch the bikini <laughs> contest. Yes. Yes. Well, I mean, not her real titties. Like, Those weren't real. Those looked real. <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty sure they put some extra. Uh... Extra. You would kind of I mean, need to. I... You, you kind of need to decrease. You know, if you're gonna make them look real, <laughs> I'm pretty sure they look like two rolls of uh, unwound toilet paper in real life. But uh, oh god. Yeah, it was good times. But um, yeah, what I that's what I would do the next night. Just keep the angle between him and uh, Taz going. Have it build to like the next pay per view to where he bans the move. Have Taz continue to stay strong. Keep him away from the secondary titles and the hardcore madness. You know, that that's basically why he was tossed into the hardcore scene is because of his... What, what's it called? The uh, How they viewed ECW at the time. Well, it's just basically one yeah. promotion surrounded by hardcore wrestlers. Nobody, nobody there knew how to really wrestle, <laughs> which is laughable. But, well, yeah, yeah the, the Jerry Lawler, you know, the, and, and that's kind of the reason the Jerry Lawler thing happened, too, was because they had that that angle way back when when they were trying to put ECW over and Jerry Lawler was going around just calling it garbage wrestling and it's just trash and it's a bunch of old guys just hitting each other with stuff and bleeding everywhere. And, yeah, that was the perception of ECW, even though that was like maybe 20 percent of what ECW actually was. Right. <laughs> Yes, and then from there, after he moves on from Angle, I, and this is a bit of a risk, but I would try to keep Taz as far away from the top guys of WWE as possible. What I would do first, what I would really do first, is I would have him feud with the Radicals, one by one, because that same night is when the Radicals appeared in the front row, and they did their own little debut. And I would tell the story of Taz coming from ECW and making more of an impact as one guy than these four guys can do together from WCW. And I would tell that story. I would have Taz overcome these guys, not mow through them, overcome them. Start start with uh, Saturn, go to Eddie, and then and then have the next two wrestlers, Dean Malenko and, and uh, we're just going to say it, Chris Benoit, because he was part of the Radicals. And... Uh, I would I would definitely tell that story and use them as like a stepping stone for Taz to really step on top and rub shoulders with the WWE guys because what they did with the Radicals was completely you know at the start of every WCW crossover is bury them amongst the top guys of WWE just to really solidify like hey now you're in the big leagues pal no 
I would keep those guys away from that death sentence of a burial that they almost went through, and I would have the story be those guys coming in from another company and making huge impacts amongst each other and then making each other that way. And then once Taz moves on from that, then we can put him in there with like a Triple H or a... I mean, not The Rock yet, because I would like for them, I would like for him to build to The Rock in Austin, if I'm honest. But I would just love if they just put Taz in a spotlight program with a top guy, and like he doesn't even need to be a monster and like mow through them. Just give the guy his just due as a professional wrestler, because he can out wrestle all these guys. That's the story you should tell. No matter how big you are, he can find a way to win. And. In convincing scary like uh, fashion um, but unlike you I probably don't have like a big old payoff to this but that is definitely how I would start Taz out I would definitely utilize the radicals in his storyline I would definitely utilize Taz and the radical storyline um, yeah that's what I got so far I don't have an ending to this but judging by what actually took place that is how you should bring <laughs> That's how you should bring a talent like Taz in. Don't just confine him to the hardcore division right after a hot angle with Kurt Angle. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is delightful because you wrote the exact same storyline as me. What? I just went in a little more detail. <laughs> so, Tremendous. <laughs> so, for us, I agree. Taz debuts at the Royal Rumble, chokes that angle. It's perfect. Perfect. Um, now, Kurt Angle is still in the Intercontinental title picture at this moment, so he's going to ignore Taz for a minute. But in the following weeks, uh, we're going to just feature Taz. He's going to be choking guys out every week, total dominance. And then at No Way Out, I'm going to even leave this because I want it to happen. Angle wins the Intercontinental title at No Way Out, just like he did in 2000. And Taz chokes out the big boss man in three minutes, just like he did in Wrestle in 2000. Uh, but at WrestleMania, I'm going to have that Taz versus Angle Intercontinental title match. Now, I know everyone that, you know, that, that triple threat match between Benoit, Jericho, and Angle was the only really decent thing that happened at that pay-per-view. Um, so I'm willing to sacrifice that for as bad as that pay-per-view was because now I can do something else with Chris Benoit and something else with Chris Jericho, and I can make WrestleMania 2000 not be the drizzling shits. So, but this is where I, I, I just, I, I just, I saw the whole storyline playing out. So I went in a little more Ron-like detail with uh, the Big Ho. Yes. So is the Big Ho is the Big Ho part of the storyline? No, but you're gonna like it. Yes. So during this buildup, uh, Kurt Angle. And Taz are going to be challenging each other because, you know, Kurt Angle's a competitor. He's an Olympic gold medalist. So they're going to be doing a couple things like a beat the clock challenge where Angle's going to go out and in two minutes just destroy this job guy, beat him, ankle lock, tap out. And then Taz is going to go out there and choke his guy out in 30 seconds. Like, it's going to be so quick. It's going to be just a mugging. He's going to just gonna run up, suplex the guy, choke him out, boom. Angle, of course. Then we get Angle's reactions. We get him throwing a fit. We get him acting like a donkey. It's great. Uh, so the next week, Kurt Angle challenges him to a suplex competition. You've got a three, you know, you you get a three minute match. 
you're you're wrestling another one of these job guys who's getting a nice payday. And Angle goes out there and he gets eight suplexes in in three minutes. Then Taz goes out there and gets seven suplexes in the first minute. Just destroys this guy, suplexes him all around. And that's when Kurt Angle jumps him and Taz does not complete the task. So Kurt Angle gets to walk around acting like he won the suplex challenge. <laughs> and so, um, uh, you know, Angle gets in there, hits, hits the Angle Slam, gets out of there. Next week, uh, Angle says, you, you lost the challenge last week. You don't get your Intercontinental title match. Taz comes out, and Angle runs like a chicken shit heel that he is. Um, he gets back in the mic. He says, hey, I'll give you a title match if you win tonight in a match of my choosing. So then we get a series of vignettes where Angle's going around to different people like Kane and Mark Henry and The Undertaker trying to get them to wrestle tonight. And they, of course, just you know make Kurt look like the fool. And Kurt's about to give up. And he's walking around, and then he looks up and smiles. Hey, you want to fight Taz tonight? And Kurt walk, shakes his head, and, and we go to break. We come back from break. Taz is already in the ring ready. Kurt Angle's music hits, and he comes down on the ramp, gets the mic. And he says, hey, I found your hand-picked opponent, and tonight it's going to be Mabel! Mabel! Well, I mean, actually Viscera, but you know, cool. Taz is unfazed, doesn't sell it, doesn't care, gets out there. Again, chokes out Viscera in short order. So WrestleMania, we get that. Uh, we finally we get that match. Taz versus Kurt Angle. WrestleMania 2000. So would Taz you would you call that uh, men on a Taz mission? Yes. yes. Continue. Okay. Yes. <laughs> I just wanted to get that Mabel in there for you. Thank you. I mean, it's no Bertha Faye, but. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, that'd be a good match. How about Bertha Faye versus Taz? Harvey Whippleman. <laughs> oh. So, at WrestleMania 2000, Taz beats the fuck out of Kurt Angle, taps him out, wins convincingly, and, uh, and then, um, Leading into SummerSlam, he's going to be taking on Chris Jericho. So we have we we have the man of a thousand holds versus the su human suplex machine. So again, we can keep going on with these vignettes. So Taz isn't necessarily wrestling every week, you know, and Jericho's not wrestling, so they're not getting stale. But we're having these wonderful showcases where Chris Jericho goes out there and puts on seventy three different arm bars and uh, does this thing and, and kind of revitalizes that awesome gimmick that was cool. Um, but then, uh, after these fun, the fun with Jericho, the thousand, thousand holds in the human suplex machine, that's when we move into the radicals and we have just a, a, a trail of pay-per-view matches here. He beats X-Pac, he beats D'Lo Brown, he beats Malenko, he beats Perry Saturn, he beats Benoit and, uh, excuse me, sorry. <clears throat> And then as we're going on, we have a little stop with Eddie Guerrero. And that's what, you know, and, and that's going to be a nice little feud. But uh, so here's what's fun. We started this with Kurt Angle. After Kurt Angle loses that Intercontinental title, he runs on to No Mercy, where he wins the WWF title. Um, Taz had a little injury in here, so he was out for a little while. 
Um, okay, hold on. Sorry. I skipped the whole line here in my storyline. <clears throat> so, at the King of the Ring, Kurt Angle is going to come out and cost Taz the Intercontinental title, the one that he lost to him. Um, but what's cool is he's going to go over the top and he's going to break Taz's ankle. And, and, and so he's going to be out for a couple few months. So from King of the Ring all the way till No Way, No Mercy, we are without Taz. And so this all works out great because now Kurt Angle wins the title at No Mercy. And that's when we get the return of Taz. So he chokes out Angle the next night on, on Raw, setting up for the title match at Survivor Series. Um, so at Survivor Series, though, this is where the angle blow-off is going to happen, and we're going to move Taz on from Kurt Angle because Triple H is going to interfere and cost Taz the title at Survivor Series. Next night, Vince McMahon himself opens up Raw with a promo, running down Taz, just burying that he's never going to allow somebody from ECW to hold his title. Mind you, Mick Foley was there and all that. But we didn't really know that. You know, Taz was like the poster boy for ECW at this point. So we're just going to go with that. So, you know, wrestling, uh, uh, cho choosing to remember what we want to remember. Anyway, um, at Armageddon, it's Taz versus Triple H. If Taz loses, he goes to the very, very bottom. Very bottom, so that he's not getting a title shot. He's going to have to do the whole angle where he's wrestling jobbers again. And he's wrestling low-card guys, and he's got to work his way back up. And uh, so, of course, Armageddon, Vince McMahon gets the screw job over on Taz. And so Taz has got to go back to the beginning. And uh, after a few weeks, he's going to keep beating job guys. He gets on a streak. <clears throat> and Vince goes, okay, I think you deserve a title match. So it's official. At Royal Rumble, it's Taz. Versus William Regal for the European title. Which, I, because I just needed that match to happen. Like, I just needed Taz and Regal to be a match that happened. And uh, thank you so much for sending me the videos this past week of the Regal segment of him dancing with Crime Time. It's uh, made my day. It Did you remember it? Life. Did you remember it? Or I did not remember it at all. Even uh, when I watched it, I was like, I don't remember this being a thing, but I'm glad it is. It was amazing. He, he um, played that part so good. So, <clears throat> all right. So Taz versus William Regal. Yeah, so Taz versus William Hey, pal, you got a long way to go before you get a main event. But uh, you can have this European title match. So Taz wins the European belt in spite of interference and in spite of everything Vince is throwing at him. So Taz is now our European champion. Uh, over the next few weeks, Vince keeps throwing guys at him. Viscera, Farouk, Bradshaw, all those guys involved in the corporate ministry and everything. Um, but that's going to lead to Vince getting mad and booking a match for Taz. His first title defense, it's got to be Kane at No Way Out. And, uh, of course, Taz still, since we're building him, he's going to sneak away and somehow get the victory over Kane. I, I mean, I know this might sound a little similar like Stone Cold Steve Austin, but, you know, just go with it. Or, you know, it might sound similar like, you know, Daniel Bryan. Or it might sound, you know, like, it is what it is, guys, but uh, I don't care. This is fun. Wait, this, so, this you mean, so you mean we're rehashing old storylines of professional wrestling? <laughs> you know no, how no many, one ever does that. Do you know how many best friend betray betrayals we've seen in the past five years? 
<laughs> oh, they've been best friends, and then now they're not best friends anymore. I love it. Oh, so at this point, Vincent Mann is just lost, doesn't know what to do. Can't beat, you know, Kane can't stop him. Viscera, Farouk, Bradshaw, Triple H, nobody can stop Taz. Uh, so the next night on Raw, after No Way Out, it's Taz versus The Undertaker. If Taz wins, he finally gets his, ta- his title match. Triple H, however, makes sure that Taz loses. So at WrestleMania, uh, that would be what? Six, 17. Yes. Ooh. WrestleMania 17. Now, I know we all love the Undertaker versus Triple H match, um, but I'm deleting that from history now to get Taz over because I like Taz needs the rub more than, tri- than the Undertaker did. You know, Undertaker can beat someone else. And I'm fine with that because that is my least favorite of the Triple H Undertaker trilogy, the first one. So at WrestleMania 17, Street Fight, Taz versus Triple H. If Taz wins, he gets to make whatever match he wants. He earns the right to make his own match be his own booker for one night. And so Taz... Wins at WrestleMania. He finds a way with Shane McMahon and all the bullshit going on, all the people attacking him, to just make it through. Oh, actually, Shane McMahon wouldn't be attacking him because the night before WrestleMania, they announced the WCW thing. So edit that, delete that back. But so, the corporation, all this shit, they, 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 in spite of all their attempts, Triple H loses. And so the next night... On oh, Raw, man. I gotta stop you there because... It would be great because do you even have how Taz would win that night? He uh, just he just over he just overcomes right. Yes. Let me ask you this: Who's on commentary that night? In reality, yes. <laughs> I mean, what did Taz do WrestleMania seventeen? No. Who's on commentary in two thousand one at WrestleMania? Oh, it's Paul E. That's right. Mister Heyman is there. That's, yeah. Don't worry. That's okay. an that's an angle in itself. Uh, well, we're getting there. Oh, we're getting there. <laughs> yeah, so, the next night, of course, everyone fully expects Taz to make his title match. They open Raw with Taz getting to make his announcement. And he says, now tonight, I have the power. I can do whatever I want. So my opponent tonight will be Vincent Kennedy McMahon in a steel cage. With no outside interference. So after he beats the crap out of Vince in this very ring, Austin runs in. Stone Cold Steve Austin runs in to save his best friend that he just made last night at WrestleMania 17. And uh, we're going to kick off the alliance a little early here. Because after Austin runs in, Beats the crap out of, you know, after Vince just gets his ass kicked, Austin runs in. The rest of the roster starts to run in, and they're beating down Taz. And this is when Shane McMahon brings WCW, the night after WrestleMania. But we're just going to skip right into it. This is where Paul Heyman and Stephanie McMahon join the fight as well, right off the bat. All three of them are just coming out and uh, and ending the show with a giant schmoz. Taz as the leader of this new alliance and Austin as the figurehead for WWE. But we're making Vince and Austin the heels here. We're making WWE 
the heels. We're making them the bad guys. And uh, so they're going to be cheering for RVD, Taz, Booker T, the, w the whole alliance. And all this is going to lead up to Taz and Austin at SummerSlam. And I think at that point, uh, we've done what we needed to do to get Taz over. Uh, we've already saved the invasion angle <laughs> as well in the same thing. Just by the fact that we kept Taz strong over the last year, now I have someone in my company that can be the figurehead of this of this invasion. Um, but I, I just I think knowing what we knew that they didn't get Goldberg, they didn't get Sting, they didn't get Hogan, they didn't get Hall and Nash or Scott Steiner. Uh, right at the beginning when they they signed WCW, we're just going to jump right in both feet from the get go. Announced it during that night that Stephanie has is bought ECW, that they're going to work together to put their dad out of business um, and somehow be the baby faces. <laughs> I, think, I think we'd phrase it more as like, let's say a CM Punk phrased it last night. You know, they could be the ones where their dad is trying to kill professional wrestling with sports entertainment and we want to keep professional wrestling alive. We're not going to allow you to buy your competition and rule the thing. We're going to have our spot in it. And then that makes them the babyface. And I think this just this angle could go great from here. Like this is where just the possibilities are endless now. Um, and all we did was just keep Taz strong. And, and I think this invasion angle could have worked. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's 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 great because you don't need a big payoff after this because, you know, Taz is made. You know, he's he's on top and he's made and he can go forward as a top guy. It's going to be hard to bury him after this. But, you know. Judging by the scoreboard, uh, they have, they have, and they did, and they did, and I'm, they definitely have buried people from higher places. <laughs> so, oh yeah, enough, sting. Nothing would surprise, <laughs> yeah, nothing would surprise me. And man, that would be a good, that would be a good time to even increase the invasion angle. And I would definitely have, you know, that match have a dusty finish because what we haven't touched on is the inclusion of WCW and all the stuff that we didn't get out of them during the invasion angle. I would say just randomly, we get Eric Bischoff coming to the ring just randomly. And we know who he is. We know blah, 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 blah. We know what his history could, but can you imagine if him and then just like Nexus style, just all these guys in like either ski mask or just like fully clothed, just come out and one by one, they all unveil themselves. You know, we got Hogan, we got Nash, we got Hall. But that's not, that's not, we're not just going with old school NWO. They'll all be NWO. But as we keep removing masks, we got Diamond Dallas Page, we got Goldberg and Sting, all rocking NWO uniforms. That would just be like, and plus, you talk about a stacked roster. I don't know how the hell you control all those egos in one spot. But uh, that could you can definitely bring that forward to Survivor Series. You got the NWO, you got the rebranded alliance with Taz in the mix as a top guy, and then you have Stone Cold and and Vince McMahon, and that is just an inspiring scenario where you got everybody available at the same time going against each other. Ah, uh, man, what could have been? 
Well, no, what's crazy is, um, you know, I was listening to our normal set of podcasts over the last few weeks, and they talked about, one of them did a review of the Invasion, you know, pay-per-view, went back to, the Invasion pay-per-view is is the largest pay-per-view not named WrestleMania in the history of the company. There's no Royal Rumble, no SummerSlam, no Survivor Series, no King of the Ring, nothing else sold as many pay-per-views as the Invasion pay-per-view itself. And they had the B-Squad from WCW. <laughs> like, it's because everyone he- was expecting this big surprise that night, too. Everyone, everyone was tuning in for the interest. That's why, like, I kept trolling, you know, some of these fans talking about CM Punk's return <laughs> as if it was a done deal. I was like, regardless of what happens, this is going to be the biggest rating that they've ever pulled just because of the what if factor. Now, I'm glad yeah. that they pulled the trigger and they ended up ha- delivering because, you know, as, you know, other podcasts have said, we're either going to see one of the biggest moments in recent history or we're going to see a venue burn to the ground. So, yeah, uh, yeah, no, I, I, I definitely agree that, you know, Invasion was definitely one of the biggest. It is the biggest buy rate WWE has ever yeah. had as far as pay-per-view goes because of the what if aspect of it. And man, it, it it took a long time for the world to get there again, because I think that's when wrestling is great, when the what if aspect outweighs what's actually going yeah. on. You just have to have the ability to pay it off. But here's the thing, though. Unfortunately, like that invasion pay per view was the peak, and then after that, like the wrestling business has basically been dying since the moment they botched this invasion angle. Like it really signifies like the end of wrestling in the mainstream. Like it is the beginning, is the tipping point of of it starting to go down. And and I don't know if it's just because that was the end of the competition, like there was no alternative. I don't know how much the uh, Monday Night Wars actually drove people to watch wrestling so much as the products were both just good. Um, but, I mean, it, it is an interesting debate as to whether the competition helps drive the, the you know, the, the, the marketplace because I... We haven't seen an uptick in ratings since AEW's popped up, but I feel like this might be a t- you know another point where we start going back up the roller coaster. Like we've hit bottom. I'm, I I mean I I hope we've hit bottom. I hope that the ratings don't continuously go down and house show you know numbers continue to go down because like if it keeps going like this in another twenty years, wrestling's gonna be a thing we talk about like roller derby. That used to exist. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, yeah. No, it's uh, it's one of those what could have been type of scenarios. But like at the end of the day, you just got people that would rather get paid to sit at home than contribute to the future of the business, and that's really what it boils down to. All the top guys that we didn't get for that invasion angle would have rather have been paid to sit at home than come and contribute to the history. Uh, and that's yeah, it, and that's really what it boils down to. We could have had Hall, we could have had Nash, we could have had Hogan, but they're just all businessmen who said, "Wait, I don't have to hurt myself, and I get paid this WCW money still." Well, yeah, of course. And, and at the same time, Vince McMahon just lost four hundred million dollars on the freaking XFL. So I mean, he could have come up with, you know, five or six million dollars, bought all these guys out, and then also paid them to wrestle for the next year. 
and it would have been no skin off of his teeth since he was a freaking billionaire at the time. Like, um, but I, at the same time, like, I wouldn't agree if I were if I mean, put yourself in that place. I've got a guaranteed million and a half dollars if I just sit at home for the next year uh, or I take some kind of I negotiate some kind of buyout for less money and probably make the same amount of money to go out on the road for the whole year and keep continue to kill my body and all that shit. So absolutely. I don't know, man. <laughs> yeah, no, I definitely agree. I definitely agree. Like I, if, if my bosses came to me tomorrow and said, Hey, we're going to pay you your salary, but you just sit at home and do nothing. Okay. Not even, don't even bat an eye at it. Just, okay. That's it. <laughs> so I agree with that. But as the wrestling fan and only the wrestling fan, I can't help but wonder if, like, maybe if they just said, "Nah, let's uh, let let let's go to work," and uh, what could have been, you know, it, it, in hindsight, that probably would have increased their value in their amount of money they made going forward. So, but hey, that's the invasion angle. We're gonna touch on that at some point on Take It Up with Creative, but let's just recap the masterpiece that is Taz of what we have decided. So. We're both in agreement that he comes in at Royal Rumble and beats Kurt Angle in the fashion that he did. But we're going to yep. keep that going. And we're obviously going to have him stop at the Radicals. We're going to keep him strong and choke everybody out. And then at some point, we're going to get him with Austin. We're going to get him with Triple H. Uh, we're going to have him get screwed over and overcome and then stay on the top of the food chain where he should be where anybody should be if you're going to bring in somebody the goal should be to get them over and throw them in the top position i don't understand the the concept of bringing in somebody having yeah. to be super hyped and then just make them another guy like well, i, I wait, here here i just i on that on that note though like when's the last time they actually brought someone in with like fanfare and vignettes and then like put them over strong for a while like what can you think of like when's the last time he did like for me i mean um obviously i'm gonna date that i haven't really watched wrestling regularly since this but like the last one i remember is carlito like that was the last time where there was like a build-up and then like he had a winning streak and like didn't have to lose immediately like when's the last time that happened the most recent one for me uh, that I can remember because I, you know, it wasn't until 2020 where I kind of like stepped away <laughs> for a little bit. That horror yeah. show really, really made me like stop for a while. <laughs> uh, yes. But I think going back, I think the last one may have been Kevin Owens, uh, in all honesty. He, oh, yeah, because they brought him in strong and put him over on Cena, but he lost. But before know, that, before yeah. that, he was. He was getting the vignettes. He came out and destroyed people as the prize fighter. Became the champion with by a match stoppage. Uh, just by repeatedly powerbombing Sami Zayn until they stopped the match. And, and, you know, he was awarded the title. Then, as NXT champion, debuts on Raw, lays out Cena, and then goes to that pay-per-view and goes 30 minutes with Cena and beats him clean in the middle. And then it wasn't until when his uh, United States title was on the line, then he then he lost to Cena. But they he walked away from uh, from that feud with a tie. It was one to one. Yeah. They didn't. They didn't. They didn't. Uh, they didn't see through the burial of Kevin Owens. Uh, they did. Yeah. They did just good enough to 
go in, beat Cena clean. But when Cena has the title on the line, Cena overcomes. So both both guys got over in that situation. And then from there, Kevin Owens was just on the rise, 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 rise. And, you know, Kevin, to me, Kevin Owens doesn't need to take it up with creative. He, he was no, brought, no, not at all. He was brought in perfectly. And just and I'm only telling this story just to answer your question. That's the last one I remember. No, as far as like, no, that, in that, yeah, that's a good one. I, I agree. I agree with that. It's just, but even like, the, they brought in the Nexus and the, they did that whole angle with the Nexus and they buried the Nexus. Like, it, it's just, but, it, and then, like, my thing is though, I, I don't really count. I, I'm, I'm excluding NXT because NXT brings people in and actually builds them up a little bit and gets them over before they start beating them. So, like, that's, I'm just talking about main roster. So, like, hmm. Even then, bringing Kevin Owens in, yeah, he beat Cena, which is great. That's, I mean, you can't debut any stronger than beating the tippy top guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but even then, you know, he, he lost within a month of, you know, yeah. of his debut. And I, so, but I, I'm talking about like Rusev maybe was the last one they they really brought in, and he was undefeated for a year, and then they fed him to John Cena. You know, yep. <laughs> but I mean, I just I don't understand this and and it's funny it's funny listening to bruce's podcast where he's like well but they have to overcome something how can you get behind like they just it's always a cop-out answer but it's like okay that's fine obviously you want the baby faces to have to overcome something oh there's no point you know they can't be dominant forever at some point there has to be you know earthquake crushing their chest you know andre ripping his crotch like at some point yes obviously we have to create something to to a chink in the armor so we know that they can lose but god damn it <laughs> like ricochet loses week two on the roster carrying cross is the nxt champion loses his debut as the champion to jeff fucking hardy on the main roster in 2021 <laughs> yeah i just oh i miss like the storytelling and, and how they used to make guys feel special when they introduce them to you so you could get behind them. So, <sighs> yep. Yeah. There is, there is no suspending disbelief anymore. It's every, everyone gets brought in in the same cookie cutter way and gets buried the same cookie cutter way. But you know, I think what we've come up with, with, with Taz, you know, we could have come up with anything for Taz and it would be better uh, than what we ended up getting and what he ended up getting. I yeah, think to put with Crash Holly and random tag team partners. Yeah. yeah, and I think to put a bow on this, uh, I think you know a great way for Taz to actually retire would be that debut of the One Night Stand pay per view. If he went out on his shield against like a Sabu or maybe just hey another callback to Angle, where Angle finally gets yeah. his finally gets his clean win in the middle, retires Taz, and then we get commentator Taz from two thousand five on. I would have enjoyed that. It would have been great storytelling for him to end his career at one night stand at the Hammerstein Ballroom with Joey Styles, with Paul Heyman, with everybody in tow. And you just, you know, you couldn't write something better than that. And, you know, I, I do like his little run in when he like came out with the towel and put and put a guy in the Taz mission. But man, if he would have stayed healthy, had that big top guy run and end his career at one night stand, I think that'd be the way to go for our uh, boy Taz. Yeah, and that's the thing that's tough about Taz because even even though in the very beginning his they didn't fully bury him in the first six months, but all, but there you go, six months into the company, he's got his first injury, 
You know, he's got an arm injury and he's out for a few months. And then they bring him back and he's good for another six months and then he's got another injury. So I don't I I don't know if it's just that the injury happened fairly early on and so they lost some confidence in Taz or just Vince saw him the first time, didn't really know what he was getting into and just immediately changed or just the fact that he just had to be Vince McMahon and put his guy over on the ECW champion. And that just like seeing Taz with that ECW belt just went, oh, fuck, ECW. Ew. <laughs> you know, hold your nose. Like, I don't know what happened, but it, it is as promisingly as the Taz run started, it went south really quickly and took a major shit. So I believe we did a good job saving it today. So um, we're doing this all in fun anyway. But uh, fuck you. We would like Taz. We liked him a lot better than some of those other fucks he put over. So, yeah, you know, don't be a fucking fuck mock. <laughs> oh. But speaking of being fucking mocks, uh, let's uh, talk about uh, what we have planned for next week. Well, I will say at some point, I think after our last fantasy draft, there needs to be a bracket down the line with Dino Winwood as the third man. <laughs> Uh, now, I'm not saying that's going to happen next week, but I think the fans will all agree that uh, we need some more Ron and Dino three-minute spats going on in this podcast. Yeah, um, I mean, as long, I, as long as he comes on here and talks out of his ass and, be, and, and, and becomes <laughs> completely wrong about everything, we should have good content. Um, oh. But, uh, yeah, no, I would love to have Dino on. I love talking to Dino. Uh, he just needs to keep his mouth shut about people that are, you know, have 30-year careers and way successful. Uh, so <laughs> I, I, yeah. lo I love that we delved into a pitch for a show where we don't know what we're going to be talking about or who's going to be with us. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll have. We are marketing geniuses, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yes, yes. L live brainstorming is how we do it. <laughs> All right. Well, that's going to do it. And uh, this is the part where I always go into some kind of rambling nonsense, um, trying to end the show because I don't think about what I'm going to say first. And uh, I just want Ron to, like, cut me off. Sunset fucking flip! <laughs> so, for Ron Kilborn, I am your host, Cole Dawson, saying thank you for listening. And we'll be back with you next week. Uh, have a good night, and we love you. Bye. Mwah. Thanks for listening. Find us on Instagram and Twitter at Creative Team Pod or just the Creative Team on Facebook. Follow Cole Dawson on Twitter and Instagram at Cole2130 and follow yours truly on Instagram or Twitter at Ron for Your Life. Number four, we'll see you next week on another episode of The Creative Team.